millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Caught Offside with Andrew Gunling and J.J. Devaney. Oh, yes. Caught Offside just outside of New York City. From an apartment in Brooklyn, New York, Andrew Gunling and J.J. Devaney. What's up, brother? I'm excited about this podcast, Andrew. Oh, good. After a, after a heavy week, weekend of drinking, it's good to be doing something productive. Why? What, what was your weekend? What did it consist of? Well, Friday was St. Patrick's Day. Right. And then uh, festivities spilled into Saturday. Second St. Patrick's Day, sure. <laughs> and then Park Slope had their uh, Brooklyn St. Patrick's Day parade on Sunday. Ah, third and... St. Patrick's Day. Got it. <laughs> I swear to God, I'm not even out of the Patrick's Days. There's another one next weekend. <laughs> what is I, this? It's insane. It's a month. I, I don't want to hear. I never want to hear an Irish person complain about underrepresentation or that we're losing our country, our culture. We literally ram it down people's throats in major cities for a whole month. You can go to a St. Patrick's Day parade every weekend of March in this town. Yeah, it's true. It's absolutely mental. And um, I, I've done, I got Bay Ridge on next Sunday. Oh, for God's sake. I mean, you don't have to go. I have to go. Like, I have to march for from a Gaelic football club, Brooklyn Chambers, because nobody else is. <laughs> it, oh, so, so why did it fall to you? None of them care enough to do it, but you, you're embarrassment because the, don't act the, like you don't love this stuff. But I got called by uh, by some elders in the Irish American community in Brooklyn. They met me in the bar on Sunday, and they were laughing at me, and they were calling me the lone shamrock. They said, "Where? How did you get marching behind that that pipe band?" And I said, I, "Lads, I literally just walked behind the pipe band and pretended like I was a part of something and started waving at people wearing a Brooklyn Shamrocks top." <laughs> this is you, shameful. You love it. You absolutely love it. I marched in a St. Patrick's Day parade once, my what? senior year of college. How the hell in, did uh, you get into it in Albany, in Albany, New York? <laughs> it was very fun, I must say. Although the woman who was in charge of like our group or whatever yeah. was all was just a horror she was horrible a was horrible really person very I don't know bossy what her, 
extremely bossy, mad at everyone. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It, 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 it galvanized the group, though. It really <laughs> it brought you all together yeah, with a like, sense of, of, of one purpose, hating yeah, this woman. Yeah, it was, it was like she was Antonio Conte and we were Spurs. She, oh, she... yeah. I'll tell you, he's brought the group together. He really has. Um, amazingly. By the way, this podcast is is so good because it's one of those mixes of things. So we have like the FA Cup. We got a little bit of the El Clasico because that's how it's pronounced. Uh-huh. Uh, we've got uh, Ev- Evan Ferguson watch, which is very close to my heart. Um, uh, a, a forced sponsorship segment uh, in that as well, which I'll explain later. And we got MLS jump to conclusions. This is a great podcast, but before we get to to any of that, I have a quick one for you. It's it's one of our usual um, social dilemmas. So um, so Darcy had uh, a baby shower for um for her and our baby. They were showered on Saturday, mm-hmm. and um, and so one of her friends, who's Brazilian, bought a lovely Brazilian like jersey onesie. You know, with the Brazilian football crest on it, the five stars. Loved it. Uh-huh. Another friend who like she she did such a great job organizing it. She was she was absolutely brilliant and lovely and bought other lovely gifts, but bought one gift in particular, which which really annoyed me. <laughs> a Real Madrid onesie. Because her husband is he's a great guy, but he's a Real Madrid supporter. Okay. That that onesie will never touch the skin of my daughter. It, it, I won't allow it in the same room. I mean, I get what you're saying. I guess Liverpool and Real Madrid are, are European rivals, I suppose. Yeah, and they've However, broke my heart twice. Yeah, cost me thousands of dollars. That is, well, they didn't cost you anything. They did not hold a gun to your head and say, JJ, you will be there to watch this destruction. But you are also the same person that has... I don't know. You have like a thousand jerseys. Like, yeah. you, like it's not it's not crazy to me that among the collection of jerseys it would be a Real Madrid kit mixed in there. Like, that's not, what are you wearing right now? What is that? Metro that's, Stars? Yeah, New York, New York, New Jersey Metro. I mean, Stars. Just, just last week you're telling us that you of all people have a Lazio kit. You're probably a full kit W for Lazio. I wouldn't go that far. I have a Roma kit as well. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so I don't know. It's yeah, like sure, I get why you wouldn't love it, but like. In the scope of of weird kits for someone to have a Real Madrid, I even have a Real Madrid one. Bet you didn't know that. Yeah, Ra- I have a Raúl jersey. I know it's knockoff though, and your mom bought it for you. No, I bought it. I, it? What's what's knockoff about it? Is it legit? Yeah. Okay. I got it there. All right. When I went, oh. when I went to their game back in okay. uh, many years ago, obviously right, he was still there. Because I know your mom got you a knockoff Arsenal kit. No, no, no. My parents went to London. Uh, a long time ago when like they knew I loved soccer, but they just had no idea anything about it. So they went to London and they went to Harrods department store and they saw that somebody was signing. There was a long line and they fe- they asked around. They said, it's a famous soccer player. And they said, oh, Andrew, he's really into soccer. He would probably love it. And they come back home. This is as my like love of Tottenham was like exploding. Like well, I was re- kind of recently a fan rushing forth. and I was just like Tottenham, Tottenham, Tottenham. Like I was just obsessed and um, they walk in. They said, you're not going to believe this, but we we got an autograph of a soccer player. He was signing uh, hats, and they hand me a, an Arsenal hat signed by Cesc Fabregas. That's what it was. I mean, that uh, that's getting you. it wrong spectacularly. <laughs> that's yeah. Hall of Fame getting it wrong. I tried to be nice about it because the gesture from them was – it was a thoughtful one. 
they waited in line for probably like an hour. Um, it was like his peak of fame at, at that club. Uh, but I mean, you can only fake it so much when you're crushed by a, a gift. <laughs> so, yeah. So we all have weird soccer stuff. Yeah. Um, so maybe you're, and now your, your child will too. She's not wearing that. It's not we'll happening. See. Yeah. yeah I, I get that. Now, maybe I'm, that. Be, maybe I'm being a bit Michael Corleone about it. Like, you know, where my daughter sleeps. You know, I you know maybe I should just relax. It's fine. She won't know, and she's likely to urinate. But it, with but it's not it, so. about what it's not about what she knows. It's an it's it's a reflection of you. If people yeah. see her wearing that, immediately they'll say, "Oh, you're a Real Madrid supporter," and then you're gonna have to go into a whole explanation about how you how they ruined your life, but somehow your child is still wearing their kit. So it, I understand it. If somebody got my if Jack or Luke were given a Mets jersey, I would say, "No, of course not. Right? Ever." They're not wearing this. Return it now. So I, I get what you're saying. Return it now. <laughs> um, let's do this. We've got a lot to discuss. We've got a lot to discuss. I don't okay. mean to just brush your, your child aside, but I mean, come on, JJ. There's there's important things going on here. Yeah, yeah. Baby can wait. Baby can wait. Yeah. Uh, where do we start? I, 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 really, I really could start in any number of places. I know many people are asking me about Tottenham. Um, we can start there. I have FA Cup stuff. We're going to do the MLS Jump to Conclusions week and Christian Pulisic's interview with Graham Hunter. We'll do that in the second half of the podcast. That'll be the American half. But uh, I'm going to follow your lead to start out here. What's on your mind, my friend? Um, I, I wouldn't mind starting with, with Manchester United and their their, yeah. their wild win over Fulham where Mitrovic, Willian, and the manager Silva all got ejected for nothing. What, what do you mean for nothing? Uh, no, I, I mean for, like, there was no reason for them to act the way in which they did. Oh, oh yeah, that for I, nothing. I, yeah, that okay, I agree with that. I thought you meant, like, there's no reason Mitrovic should have been ejected. No. <laughs> the way you said it. No, absolute, absolute insanity. And I wouldn't mind, you know, through the, the haze of alcohol, I, I did notice that Fulham were doing okay in that game. More than okay. United were poor enough. And... Like the idea that anyone would argue over William's handball, but the idea that anyone would get apoplectic and, and shove the referee. Yeah, that's it, uh, what like I that can't... kind of red mist is um something we haven't seen from Mitrovic in since his Newcastle days. I can't quite figure this one out. Um maybe it's a little bit part of what you were saying, how like they were actually playing well, so maybe there was just a general frustration that their hard work was going to be nullified in some way. Uh, the emotion of the moment caught up with them. I, I don't know. I can't explain it exactly. Uh, it started with Marco Silva, um, who was red carded as the referee was looking at the VAR review. Uh, what did he throw a water bottle? He yelled at him. There yeah. was some, some sort of interference from Marco Silva. He was immediately red carded. That was it for him. But the Mitrovic one, I don't know. I just can't understand. Like, what's his argument at that point? What, like, what? You can only deduce that his angle of of the incident was completely compromised in some way. That he thought, you know, William was trying to play it with his with his with his knee or something. Like, I mean, it's an obvious handball. It's a deliberate handball. But like, once the referee has looked at many many angles and a lengthy review of it like what is your argument now he has obviously seen it infinitely better than you have 
to the point, like it's one thing to be mad about it or frustrated about it, but, but anger to the point of actually shoving him. I, I don't understand. I just don't understand it. And it is a red card. It's unfortunate. Willian, like it's not, I wouldn't say it's a bad play by Willian. He's doing all he possibly can um, to try to, to salvage the moment for his team to keep them in the game. Uh, so, but it just is like, I, I don't know. I, I don't really know what to say. It was, it was an incredibly, incredibly weird meltdown. Yeah. And, and also it's, you wonder now the charges and, and how Mitrovic's going to be dealt with. Now it's not the Canio on Alcock, which we all remember Paulo De Canio shoving the referee and with, with his two hands into the chest and the referee staggering back in, in comedic fashion, which really kind of got, I mean, God rest him. I think the, that referee has passed on, but that had such a kind of a shock factor to it. It it, yeah. it wasn't in that realm, but it was still a complete red. And and a, I'm curious to see what happens here. Um, but generally speaking, like the game isn't what really struck me. Uh, Daniel Story did a piece and the headline is referees are suffering because of Premier League clubs, shameful conspiracy baiting. Fulham Wolves and Nottingham Forest were the latest clubs fueling the paranoia and outrage at this rate, we will soon run out of officials. And he kind of goes on to say that the comments, like, say, for example, Julian Lopetegui, Wolves had a player sent off for dissent, uh, and Lopetegui suggested that there was a plot against his club. Maybe when you have the same mistakes a lot of times against you, it's not balanced. And then the Nottingham Forest official Instagram account, they tweeted the caption, a crucial decision in a crucial match, and we've been badly let down again by the wrong call. You know, this kind of, you know, feeding into the paranoia uh-huh. of supporters. And it's like he, the way he lays it out in the article, you should read it. I, I will tweet it out on at CO Soccer Pod on Twitter. But he's he's so right. I mean, fans are always ripe for this kind of stuff. We know it on this podcast. We've got listeners who are ready with the screenshots. They've got the screenshots from all the games going back over how many seasons, and it's all a conspiracy. Uh, but Daniel finishes the article like this. Um, The only way the situation improves is if we all improve. It starts with acceptance and maturity. A decision went against you? Take it. And remember the ones that went for you. Feel you've been cheated? Perhaps wonder whether the partisanship may lie within you rather than the officials. Want to prove that you love your football club? Great. But you don't need to become an amateur sleuth who bases their entire personality around defending its name. And like me as as a far too online person, I see this all the time. And, and it is manifesting itself in bad behavior at the lower levels, at grassroots levels in refereeing. And, you know, clubs, Mitrovic acting that way, Silva acting that way, Lopetegui speaking the way he did, Nottingham Farce, social media account, it all feeds into this thing. I, I was at the Monroe for the Bournemouth game, uh, the, the penalty where the Bournemouth player is jumping, he's got his hand out, but he's kind of, he's got his back to it. And it goes to VAR review and it's given... The, hat, the arm is out, but I'm there and, and there's a Liverpool supporter beside me and I just shook my head and I went, oh man, no, 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 not for me. And the fact that I was a Liverpool supporter saying this, he just turned around and gave me like the Ronaldo glare uh-huh. as if what I was saying was so beyond that I could possibly think that this was a harsh penalty. Now, letter of the law, it probably was a penalty, but I'm like, what's he supposed to do there in that scenario? It was just me being given a human feeling. Yeah. But everything now is so, so tribal and so club driven and so, you know, 2020 vision. And it, it definitely is hurting the game. It's hurting the way we watch the game. 
hurting the way we consume it. And uh, like, I just wonder with these these people that go around acting like this. It's I don't know. That's the thing. That's the main thing I took from that game, actually. Yeah, I agree. I mean, look, after that happened, it obviously changed the game. I mean, Fulham went down to nine guys. Manchester United converted the penalty. Then Sabitzer scored just a couple minutes later. They added the third deep in stoppage time. Fulham didn't really have any response once they got to that point. I mean, it's unfortunate because, like you said, Fulham, for the first 60-something minutes of the game, there was a little bit of back and forth. But I I thought Fulham were really good. In fact, just moments Mm. before the incident, Mitrovic had uh, a header that was just off net. Um, So, you know, they... I thought that their performance was pretty strong, pretty representative of what they've been so far this season. And then, uh, but and then it, but the, it, I mean, they couldn't overcome losing two players, one of whom no. just completely lost his mind uh, and their manager. You know, they, they couldn't, they're not going to overcome that at Old Trafford in, in an FA Cup quarterfinal. It's, it's, it's a shame. It's a shame no, how that played out. It actually really is a shame. And, uh, and Fulham have to look to themselves for that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, in, in some ways, I mean, yeah, I guess the way I'm just trying to think about how that whole sequence of events materialized, just, you know, Manchester United breaking the other way, Anthony finding, I mean, it was a great ball uh, to find Jaden Sancho, who did really well with it, holding it up and then sh- putting one on net, which I'm, I'm sure he thought was a certain goal. William got back, but not before he could get an arm on it. Um, yeah, I mean, it was a fun, it was an interesting game. It was a fun game, uh, but the last 20 minutes or so were just as a neutral observer. It's not what you really wanted to see. Like I, it was, it was fun 11 v 11. And obviously that game completely changed, but it's, it's a great moment for Manchester United as their pursuit for a second title. Uh, this season remains in effect as they head now to Wembley for the semifinals of this competition. So uh, congrats to them on, um, on what has been a, a successful season. Uh, regardless of the fact that they're probably going to finish third in the Premier League. I know that for a while there, they had their hopes on on a top two finish, thought mm. maybe they were going to contend for the title. I don't think that was ever, ever realistic. But this season for them, uh, you know, a trip to Wembley for a semifinal that I would think not to look too far down the, the road, but they should win that, uh, I would say. Um, it may not be easy, uh, but I, I would pick them. And uh, you know, like we said, they've already had another trip to Wembley for the, the Carabao Cup victory. So, this is this has been a pretty good rejuvenation for Manchester United this season under Ten Hag, and it continues with this FA Cup semi. Final point: the Sabitzer finish is so good, so so good, brilliant finish, absolutely brilliant. First, you see, you think is that deflected? The way he stabs it up, lifts it over, and uses the backspin on the ball to score, brilliant goal. The whole move was great. I mean, a yeah. great through ball from Jaden Sancho on the great run from Luke Shaw, who played in a great ball himself, and then a great finish. So. Yeah, I mean that was, yeah, and that was that was really the haymaker after Fulham had just <laughs> only moments earlier dealt with all the other nonsense, and then that happened. I mean that was there was no coming back from that, and so it is United to go through to the semifinal. Uh, Manchester City go through as well. Erling Holland staying hot in route to an absolute. I mean, we talked about oh, what's this going to be like with Burnley and Vincent Company coming back and facing his old team? Well, it wasn't wasn't how he drew it up. Six nil, they're just absolutely demolished. Yeah. Um, I I have nothing on that one. Just uh, no. The only the only thing I'd say is that uh, uh, Julian Alvarez uh, grabbing two goals and having his contract renewed or extended rather so quickly kind of suggests what they're thinking and and how impressed they've been with him uh, across the World Cup and 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 his uh, kind of debut season, I guess, with Manchester City. Yeah, yeah, they should be pleased. Mm. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, Let's see. Uh, more late drama, JJ, for Sheffield United as they reach the semifinals, scoring in the eighty. What was it, eighty first, and then again 
uh, in stoppage time to get the winner, win it three two. What a goal! The winner, the winning goal was just a, a, a laser from just outside the box. Uh, thrilling stuff, and for the the fans to have this experience, these last two wins for them, uh, both coming at home. Uh, what a fun run that this has been for that club into the semifinals. Yeah, brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. And I, it gives me a chance to correct an error I made recently when talking about Blackburn, Blackburn Rovers. I talked about Tony Mowbray as manager when, of course, it's Yondal Thomason. Um, very good game, though. And and two sides you kind of kind of feel are heading in the right direction uh, after, well, Sheffield United have been there, thereabouts, been in the Premier League recently, but but Blackburn heading, heading back the right way and, and unlucky to lose out in this. And then Brighton, their dream season continues. Pretty amazing. They, um, to the semis. I mean, yeah. do you think that when they lost Graham Potter, you know, and they hire this manager that no one's really familiar with, and you kind of just are expecting the other shoe to drop. Eventually, there's going to be this drop off in form, and it's, and here we are, still waiting, and now they're going to Wembley. Yeah, I, I think, I think the interesting thing was that there was some some good reporting and good scouting on on the way Desherby would play, and that it would be like, like whatever way Potter played, it would be, this would be jet-fueled, taken to the next level in terms of the things that they've done. And they've been just absolutely, they've been absolutely brilliant. And obviously Grimsby are not going to be the toughest opposition for a Premier League side in the form that Brighton are in. But like Brighton are just, they're just fantastic to watch and their signings and the players they brought in have been very, very good. Um, Here's audio of Evan Ferguson's goal, which, have you seen this, Andrew? No. You haven't? No. What an unbelievable goal. There was touches of Bergkamp, touches of Vanisteroy, just the way he brings the ball down, brings it into strike, controls it, and slides it home. Um, He's an exceptional talent. Uh, Opta Joe tweeted this, seven, Evan Ferguson has scored seven goals for Brighton this season and is now the top-scoring teenager for a Premier League club across all competitions in 2022-23. Focal as in focal point. He is, um, he's brilliant. And we're now all saying he must start against France. Here is the audio of Ferguson's, um, I think wonder goal is fair enough. McAllister. Ferguson, brilliant. Absolutely fantastic from Evan Ferguson and Brighton have a foot firmly in the semi-finals of the FA Cup now, courtesy of a fantastic finish. Ferguson. Uh, the Evan Ferguson report is brought to you by Massey Ferguson Tractors. Massey Ferguson, born to farm. So I'm trying to force Massey Ferguson into a sponsorship there, Andrew. I'm not familiar uh, with them. Big, big tractor company in Ireland. Oh. Very popular. Massey Ferguson, Zetter, Ford New Holland. Those are, those are your tractors. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, so hopefully someone from Massey Ferguson reaches out and goes, hey, I like this Evan Ferguson guy. Let's do a sponsorship. So the semifinals, Manchester United against, uh, against Brighton and then Manchester City against the Blades, JJ. The Blades. What? What is, why, what's wrong? That, that's, <laughs> Isn't is that, that your York, that's your Yorkshire accent. That's what you took. That, when, that's Jimmy, Jimmy Muir's little brother, right? You're going to play, play for, for the, the Blades. Blades. <laughs> yeah, yeah right. no. Needs work, needs work. Well, I think it's pretty good. Um, so yeah, two, uh, couple interesting matchups and who knows we, uh, I mean, uh, this competition has been crazy. So who's to say that there's not another twist left in this, but we could be on target 
uh, for a Manchester Derby in the FA Cup final. Be a pretty pretty big occasion. Should be fun no matter what, but that would certainly be a quite the high profile matchup. Uh, let's see. We continue. Let's do uh, let's do the El Clasico. What do you think? Yeah, let's get this out of the way before we inevitably get to... I mean, you've sworn on the rundown. This has never happened before. I did. I was uh, it was ang- I was typing angrily, but we'll get to that. Um, yeah, unbelievable, though. Yeah. Unprecedented Barcelona, waters. Barcelona pretty much sealed up La Liga. Might have been... I, I. We felt like it was sealed up beforehand, but in hindsight, it wasn't. If Real Madrid had won this, it could have... They could have made things interesting, but they don't. And it is Barcelona in, in dramatic fashion. Uh, 2-1, they win this. And it now feels it now feels out of reach, I would say. This would be a pretty epic collapse for Barcelona, which I just I mean, it would for whatever they've been in Europe, and we're gonna talk about that in a sec, um it would just be so out of character for them domestically to suddenly let down on this lead. And so here's the thing. I mean, we can talk about the specifics of the game if you want, but for me it's kind of more I'm just having a hard time reconciling this season in Spain with Barcelona and Real Madrid. Just because, uh, I don't know, I, I, my brain is at war with itself over who I feel like is is having the better season. Barcelona's league form has just been so strong. Um, you know, they, they've only conceded nine goals this season. Their lead over Real Madrid, who we think so highly of, is is so convincing that we're, you know, here we are in, in mid-March, we've proclaimed the season over. Uh, I mean, this is like th- these are all the signs, the telltale signs of a completely dominant team in Barcelona. And yet, why do I feel like that's not the case? They're out of the Champions League in the group stage. They're out of Europe altogether uh, in the round of 32 of the Europa League. Much of the stories around them have kind of been shaded negative, which doesn't necessarily pertain to what they've done on the pitch, but just mm-hmm. stories of of their backroom dealings. Now, this referee scandal, their financial crisis. Uh, letting Lionel Messi go. Is he coming back? No, we don't have the money for it. Like, it's just like, I just feel like there's a, an air of negativity around the club and, and maybe that's a, maybe that's false. Maybe we should probably be paying more attention to the positives with what's going on there. (laughs) What's, what's funny about this? Unbelievable. Like, like the fact that you'd lump in Messi coming back or not as, as, as part of the air negativity, this case in Spain, which we really haven't spoken about is, is bad. Like it's, very, very yeah. bad. You know, there some of the reports I read today in the AP. Um, so so bar- prosecutors have formally accused Barcelona of corruption because of its payment of millions of euros over several years to a company that belonged to the vice president of Spain's football refereeing committee. The decision made on Friday was reported this week by Spanish paper newspaper El Pas. An investigating judge will decide whether the accusations should lead to charges, uh, and the detail of it, which we need to get someone on to really dig into this for us. It has to be done because there's talk of, of stripping titles from that amazing era of, of Barcelona. And there's talk of, there was mention of a potential penalty being relegation. This is not, this is not a small story. We haven't got gotten to it because I think at the start I was like, ah, you know, these things for big clubs, they kind of go away. But I, there's a lot more smoke to this fire, a lot more. And um, and just reading even a little bit about it today on the AP was, I mean, that's your negativity, Andrew, right there. Because on the face of it, look, the European campaign hasn't been what they wanted. They went out meekly. Oh, no, it's enough. been a disaster. It's been, They went out meekly enough to, to Manchester United. When you really think if they'd beaten United, it opens right up for them to go on and, and win the Europa League, which is 
something. Um, the fact that they're running away with the league is good, but you know, there's that there's that duality right there. The the lack of European progress versus the league and Real Madrid falling off a bit. And Real Madrid with the chance to actually maybe go on and, and do what they always do, which is win the Champions League forever. But I mean, the negativity is all around and surrounding the potential consequences of, of this investigation. This is this is bad. Very, very bad. Yeah. Um it could be earth shattering for not just La Liga or Barcelona, but I mean really global soccer should the, the punishment come forward. And and I and I don't know what uh, I've heard little bits and pieces of what their defense is. All of it seems really kind of unreasonable to me. I, I I've yet to hear a logical defense for why they why they felt the need to have paid this amount of money. Um I I don't know. I mean to think that like it like the AP article says there is so far no evidence that referees or game results were actually influenced. But it doesn't matter. Like the, the this is this is huge impropriety. Um, you know, it's funny to be talking about this now after we're saying, you know, what's wrong with fans need to get a grip. There's no conspiracy against your club. But then here we are 10 minutes later talking about this story. Yeah. This I mean you uh, talk yeah, you I, talk I, about I, fueling I, the fire. I know I, I know I know. And it's uh, but like do I, do I have to say that everything is not uh Calcio Poli or it's not it's no, not this. Of course, but you know, there there are obviously the the exceptions to the rule. Um but mm, it doesn't help. Surely doesn't. Well no, none of this helps anyway, because most people, it seems nowadays, if they see one thing happening, that's an indicator that it's happening everywhere. And we see it in politics, sure. we see it in um in all walks of life right now. But yeah, that's that's the big story and and, and we have to see how it plays out because it's 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 potentially um, like during the years that the prosecutors say Barcelona paid uh, Enriquez Nogueira, Barcelona won nine Spanish leagues and six Copa del Rey. There's, ah, God. Yep. Yeah. Uh, as for this one, Frank Kessie scoring the winner for Barcelona. Um, some interesting kind of side notes to this one. I don't know if you saw the <laughs> boy. Um, Gavi has a real mean streak. Which I kind of I kind of like about him in some ways. I guess he didn't. I don't know if you saw the clip of him kind of really going after Danny Ceballos uh, in this game, totally away from the play, away from the ball. I guess Ceballos had kind of had a coming together with I think it was Robert Lewandowski, sort of behind the play. Not nothing too bad, but Gavi saw it and was not happy about it. Went right after Ceballos, knocked him to the ground, um, and then uh, also uh, another one after the game. Did you see the JJ the picture? There was a picture taken from inside Barcelona's uh, dressing room. They're celebrating, and it's not you're not supposed to see it. But Robert Lewandowski, he's got his uh, he's got his cleats off, hmm. and he saw has his sock on. JJ, half his sock is like covered in blood. Yeah, is that normal? Did that happen to you ever when you played? Uh, if you like anything on the toe, toenail, anything oh, like that, man, that that will bleed, and 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 obviously it it can look disgusting if the sock, the bottom of the sock, is white. Um, it was like the whole side of his foot. Ugh, yeah, not great. And and sometimes when the blister goes, there can be there can be consequences. I I don't want to um to dwell on it or anything because I'm sure microscopically it was the correct decision. But Asensio's offside, like him being called yeah. offside there. Oh my god! I I mean I looked at I paused it and I looked at it and I'm like this is no. 
<laughs> Come on. I, I mean, I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't really have a counterpoint. Like no. it, it, it is, just, but yeah, he's not. he's offside by like some pixelation of was it his shoulder or something like that? I don't know. But anyway, let's get let's stop burying the lead here. Andrew. Well, hold on. Well, the, there was only one other thing I wanted to say about this: the Real Madrid side. We talked about like the Barcelona side, uh, but then there's Real Madrid that we feel all good. Like for the most part, a lot of what we talk about with them is shaded for the positive, just because they're coming off another Champions League victory. They're doing well in the Champions League again. But I was just wondering, JJ, let me can I just read you something real quick about Real Madrid and their you know the success they're having in Europe? Um, I just wonder, like, so they've played eight Champions League matches. Let's look at them. They've beaten Celtic twice, Liverpool twice. They won one and tied one versus Shakhtar. They won one and lost one versus RB Leipzig. So, like, I just wonder. And again, I have been uh, not Mr. Real Madrid, but, you know, dating back to last year, I was I was in on them very early as being like the the back Team to where destiny. they. Yeah. And just like they we need to be thinking of them in a, in a higher light than I think many of us were at that time. Um, but I just wonder, like our sick. So we have we're, we're wondering if they're having a better season than Barcelona. But are we basing that on six Champions League wins against Celtic, Leipzig, Shakhtar and a weird Liverpool side that like like, is that enough? to affirm superiority to what Barcelona are doing domestically. That, that's why I, to, to circle all the way back around, that's why I said I'm waging a mental war with myself over these two teams. See, I think you're thinking too hard about this. Like, why, okay. why, do, why do we have to come up with a conclusive way? I need there to be a top dog. Absolute nonsense. Um, they're into the quarterfinals of the Champions League. They're the reigning champions. Mm-hmm. And at times in the first, they, they hammered Liverpool 5-2. I mean, Liverpool went 2-0 up. I saw so, the game. Yeah, so they're still showing. The no, they're signs. they're a great team. They're showing the signs of what they can do when their backs are against the wall, which has been their calling card for the last three, four seasons, and particularly last season's run to the final. So, yes, they're in. I think they're in better shape than Barcelona. Personally, wow, that's a big statement from a big man. Um, all right, so you want to get to this now? You've sworn all over the rundown, and if I did this. You would just, you would, you would castigate me. You would call me out. You would, unprofessional, all the words. Andrew said, Tottenham effing S away, a one goal halftime lead. That's how he starts off the introduction to this, to this. Anyway, listen, Senator, the floor is yours. I just want you, you get the ball rolling because the things that Kante said afterwards were, I mean, as a Spurs supporter, how does it feel to hear your manager say those things about the players, the club, literally just full on scorched earth. It's very, it's very conflicting um, because you like to hear those things. Well, I'm not a masochist, I'm not a masochist, Mm -hmm. but like it's conflicting because I mean, I don't, he's not wrong with a lot of what he's saying. Like, we view uh, the perception of certain managers has changed, but like Pochettino, Mourinho, Conte, they're three of the great managers in this sport. And this club has, with Pochettino to a lesser degree, because the club kind of made him, but the way he went out, they kind of broke him too. This club has broken three of the world's great managers. They just have. And so I understand, you know, that it's not just like, this is not just a Conte problem. Um, there's personnel issues, there's ownership issues. And Conte, regardless of what he said after the fact uh, that he wasn't talking about ownership, you were, you were. 
like let's not hide from it. Now, maybe he needs to talk it back because I don't know what kind of clauses are in his contract. Maybe that, maybe if there's something that says if you if you openly criticize the club or club ownership, we can be you can be fired for cause. I, I don't know, but he for whatever reason felt the need to walk back at least that part of of his diatribe. Um, but I'm conflicted because yes, part of what he's saying is true. Like this this team is infuriating, and it's been infuriating for many great managers, and he's just the latest one, and he's not going to be meek about it. Um, but it's also conflicting because, like, damn it, you're part of the problem, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you just are. And for him to speak for 20 minutes and not once call his own managing into question, it's just no, wrong. Actually, be be quite uh, – uh, I think it was Jack Pitt Brook who put the question, well, how is your own situation with your contract? And he never got to finish the question. Uh, you could, uh, Let's listen to the audio, actually. We, we have Jack asking that question there. It's a difficult question to ask. Do you think your position with the uncertainty of your... But you, you, are fi- you are finding an alibi, another, another alibi. You try to find alibi an, an excuse for, for, for the players. Okay, continue, continue to do this, to find excuse for the players. You do only this, you do only this. Excuse for the players. Yeah, but the players, maybe my, my future. And then uh, Kei, they, they lost, uh, they lost uh, confidence, they lost spirit, they lost to, to be a team. Excuse, excuse, excuse. Try to protect. Try to protect every time and uh, this situation. Ah, come on, come on, come on. We are professional. We, we, we paid, the club paid us a lot of money. The players receive money. Me receive money. You understand? Not to be to find excuse and uh, don't have spirit or, or, or don't show the sense of belongings or don't show uh, sense of responsibility because we are showing this. And for me, this is unacceptable for me because this is the first time in my career to see a situation like this. And until now, I wasn't able to change, not to change, but compare last season, the situation went to become worst. Why, Antonio? Why do you think it is like this? Why? Bah, I don't know, because they are used here. They're used here. Don't play for, uh, for, uh, for something important. Yeah. And, uh, they don't play, uh, they don't want to play under pressure. They don't want to play under stress. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's easy in this way. And Tottenham, Tottenham's story is this. 20 years that there is the owner and never won something. But why? Only for the, the fault is only for the club or for the every manager that stay uh, here. And uh, I have seen uh, the manager that Tottenham had on the bench. You risk to disrupt the figure of the manager and to protect the other situation in every moment. Where he's basically he's basically saying there, hey, don't look at me. You're creating an alibi. But that's not good enough. That just won't work. He's the manager of the team. And this team is playing rotten football. Now they they're in fourth. They are in fourth. But they like the football has been pretty hard to watch they've lost nine league games um he has to take some 
you know, responsibility. I, I should also say Andrew, on, on multiple levels, by the way, like the fact that he has not signed a new contract. Yeah. So he's left the squad unsettled. The fact that he's played the way that he has from the majority of the season of these horrible first half performances where they've buried themselves and forced themselves in, into needing to crawl back from these deficits that they've created. I mean, you know, like you said, the way that they've played reliance on more of a, this defensive counterattacking style, as opposed to ever really wanting to be on the front foot. Um, like it's, they, you know, it, some of it has, it just some of, has to be on him. Like he has to be in some way responsible for the way his team is performing. Can we, can we talk for a second and go back to what you just said about three of the best managers in the world? Okay. Pochettino was made there. I mean, Pochettino was fired months after taking this team to a, a Champions League final, even though in the league, they were probably in decline and, and struggling for. Well, the uh, absolute destruction from Bayern Munich, I think, was in the Champions League group yeah. stage was sort of the, the straw that broke the camel's back. Sure, but, okay. it, but it was heading in that it was heading in that direction but, the but, year that they went to the Champions League final, but that papered over the cracks. But, I, you know, and it's not just my analysis. I know I've heard um, the aforementioned Jack Pickbrook say this. Like, like, Mourinho was a busted flush when he got to Spurs. His ideas were were ancient. They weren't modern. They weren't new. And they weren't suited to that squad. And certainly not suited to what uh, had been done with Pochettino. And Conte comes in and, like, players really haven't got that much better. They had that nice little run to fourth place at the end of last season based mostly on reactive football. I mean, that game against where they hammered Aston Villa, it could have been over at halftime. They were getting absolutely battered, but it was Kane and it was Son in top form which created those breakaway goals just like they did under Mourinho where they had this amazing goal-scoring record despite being not good. These two managers are not managers that um, are really at the at the forefront of of European football anymore. Not really. Not in the not in the styles of football that they play. But Conte was. He was but before he got there. Yeah, he had I, just won a league title. He was. I mean, this he is, was the hottest manager on the market. This unquestionably. Is be, this is behavior from from Conte that we've seen before in in in, in twenty nineteen. Uh, Full throttle approach leaves Inter Milan vulnerable as Conte searches for excuses. It's James Horncastle, November eighth, twenty nineteen. Yeah, um, I mean, he's look, he's he, bit, like he he has in his time with Juve and his time w- with Inter looked for excuses. Like, well, he what, he's doing JJ what we talked about. Mourinho was doing at a certain point once Tottenham broke him. Like they'll break everyone. He what what happened in that press conference? That was not a. That was not a press conference. That was a job interview to new prospective employers. No, it was setting. It was. It was. It was. He needed them to know he was. This setting, is not. This correct. is not a. This is not an Antonio Conte problem. I need all of you to know that. Look what I'm working with here. These players yeah, I, are a disaster. They're selfish. I can't work with these guys. It's not me. It's not me, me. Everyone. That's what that was. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Let me put something out that uh, that it will make so many headlines that it will set the narrative for any potential employer that I go to see. That hey, you know, look at my record. Look at my CV. And the fact he kept saying that this is, you know, his usual refrain has been even since Burnley, the windswept Burnley uh, incident, where we thought he was going to walk last spring. And he said, you know, I've never been I, I've never been in this situation before. He's basically I, I can't believe what I have to deal with here. Well, he, he's he's, wa- he's a maniac. He's a maniac. He's not well suited for Tottenham because this team will infuriate you. They will frustrate you. Um, you know, I, I'm not I don't need to say all of it all over again. Go back to the March 9th podcast for my if you'd really need my thoughts on Tottenham um, yeah. for the, the she's all that 
comparison because that I don't need to do all that over again. That that was the day they broke me. Okay, now he was just a week and a half later, but they got him. They'll break everyone. Uh, So, yeah, Tottenham, like, I don't know. If if you're a manager of real prestige, like a Mourinho or a Conte, like, are you coming to this club? Like, I, I don't I just don't think that's the right place right now for a manager like that. I think it's I think an up and comer is what a team like Tottenham is probably better suited for right now. I think they tried this route and it doesn't work for them. I, I, I think you're right in the sense of an up and comer coming up, new ideas, uh, modern ideas brought into the club. But again, the owner has to be willing to back the coach and to be patient and allow him to build in the way that Pochettino built and to bring in the kind of players he needs to implement the style of play. Um, can I, can I just put out one mad idea here? Because I want your reaction. And we've had Mark Ogden on the podcast several times when we were with ESPN. And um, I mean, this is just a wild article he's put out. Okay. (laughs) This is the opening gambit. If Tottenham Hotspur are serious about challenging for trophies and ridding the club once and for all of its reputation for promising much but delivering nothing, Chairman Daniel Levy should respond to manager Antonio Conte's remarkable post-match rant at Southampton by offering him a new long-term contract. It would be a high-risk strategy, one which would almost certainly lead to some senior players heading for the exit door at the end of the season. But the choice facing Levy now is either this, is this, either back a group of players who have repeatedly failed under successive managers or gamble on giving Conte the license to dismantle the squad and surround himself with players who share his demanding winning mentality. Why are the choices those two things and those two things alone? It could also be to get rid of the manager and get rid of those players that are a problem. I it's would, not, you know, it's not I either would, or I would tend to, to, to go with that. And I, I don't, I, I don't think, I don't think they can move forward with this manager. He's desperate no. to get fired. He doesn't want to be there. This isn't He's working. Not. And, and the reports we're getting is now that the, the you know, it's not just, I, it, it was a, again, a line from, from Jack Bitbrook. He was saying like, usually the play, the, the um the players, what was it he said? The manager loses the dressing room, but the dressing room has lost the manager, or something like that. Like in 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 terms of his inability to get anything out of this group, like it's it's I I it it doesn't work. He's not the team. Have any players improved under a manager? Does anybody get better? Got better? Uh right now I would. I mean Bentoncore, but he's. He's been hurt. He's hurt now, so it's hard for me to say that. I mean, like Bentoncourt and Kulisevsky, when they came in, maybe those two have. Um, but not, I mean, not real. Looks, I mean, Hyungman's son won a golden boot under him, but this year he's taken a complete step backwards, so I, I couldn't say that. Yeah, not really. Not so this really. Was, this was the line from Jack. Usually when managers lose the dressing room, it is because the players give up on them. This is a rare example of the opposite, the dressing room losing the manager. Can I ask you another question with all this? Mm. So I think there's another part of this. Like we're talking about, is he the right manager for this team? Yada, yada, yada. But there's another question here. It's it's a harder conversation to have because it's hard to quantify with numbers or wins or losses or whatever. But I, I do think that there needs to be the whole, and like we've made fun of this for years, but the whole like lads at Spurs conversation, the whole, this is the history of the Tottenham, <laughs> Chiellini, that conversation. Like we've laughed at it. We've made jokes about it, but like, I don't want to buy into it. It's the club that I love and support, but like, 
is that a, is it a thing? And if it is, why is it a thing? Like, just listen to this for one sec. So I, I just took a look at the last 10 seasons, not including this season. But if you look at the last 10 seasons, when like Tottenham started their rise, Pochettino, the good years, all that stuff through Mourinho and uh, last year of Conte, not this season. If you look at that, um, in that time, Man City have won 12 trophies, Chelsea 7, Man United 5, Liverpool 4, Arsenal 4, Leicester 2, Wigan 1, Swansea 1. Um, if you look at the average finishing position in the league during that 10-year stretch, Tottenham are 5th, ahead of Arsenal, just barely behind Manchester United, not too far behind Liverpool either. Uh, so of the 36 trophies won by English clubs in that 10 years, zero have been won by the 5th best team in the country in that time. That's weird. That's weird. So why? Well, why is that? Is it a pure coincidence or is there something to the whole ethos of lads at Spurs? This is the history of the Tottenham. I think maybe you're catching me in like in a in a bad moment here where I'm just so down on this club. I think it's possible that there is actually something to that. And it's subconscious. But I think that players, when they go to a club like Tottenham and they're playing well, like they were under those in those Pochettino years, if like if the idea around a club is that they're usually kind of like a hard on their luck team that don't do very well and suddenly they're doing pretty well, I do think that there could be something that seeps into a player's mind that thinks we're we're doing good enough. I'm good. Like I don't need to, you know, whether it's working harder or, you know, not going out for that extra drink or whatever, like something. Right. But like if you're at a club like United where it's just like win, 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 even though, again, that hasn't been the case over the last 10 years, but the history of that club is like, we will tolerate nothing less than trophies and winning and all that. Mm -hmm. Then like maybe subliminally the mindset is just different. Like guys just, once they get to a certain level, there is no complacency or satisfaction with what they've done because they know it needs to be more. We had 10 years of Manchester United in, in, in not a good position. We've almost had 10 years of, we have actually had 10 years of it now. And what was the key factor in, in turning that round this season? If it are or, or beginning to turn it around has been a manager that has been come in with ideas and a system and a way of playing and also a, a, a discipline and players reacting to that. You could say that outside of Pochettino, have Spurs had the right manager in, in the past 10 years? No, uh, I get. I mean, I mean, I, I, I guess not. But, like, I, but who thought that Conte was the wrong manager? That was a dream hire for them. Like we can talk about Mourinho. That was split right from the get-go because he was coming from a bad like from a starting point that was already negative in many people's minds. But Conte wasn't. But like he's not the right so who is? Who is the right manager? Yeah, what you, what you're saying you'd need to be in the club, you'd ne- you'd nearly need to know the tea lady, you'd need to know the staff to sense that because con- what you're talking about is a rampant mindset, a contagion that is throughout a club. That 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 seeps into new players when they come in. That would, is would, would would I guess like to look at one guy in, in particular. If if Deli Alley's career had happened at Chelsea instead wow. of Tottenham, would it have gone the way that it did? Or is there a feeling at Tottenham of like, yeah, this is this is good enough. Our fans aren't used to this. Like, again, I'm not saying that this is overtly stated around the, those the room. But it didn't happen to Harry Kane. You know, no, he's special. I don't, it's again, I, I can't, I could, I might be entirely wrong. It might just simply be, I'm they, made, they made bad transfers. They didn't do well in the transfer window to improve the squad. That's part of it too. That, Maybe that, that is, but that's that also, but like that's Daniel Levy may be thinking, no, we've done well enough. Like he's part of that, all, that 
mindset as well. I don't know. I'm just saying it's it's just weird. Like it's just too fitting that like they already have this this way about them that they don't win. And then even when things have been great over the last decade, they still don't win. Um, when Swansea have a, have a trophy, yeah, you know, like it's just it's just strange to me. I can't figure it out. It could be it could be a whole thing of of transfers not hitting. Like most of Spurs big transfers, you would say haven't hit. And like Tangi and Dombley is at Napoli now. They're going to win the Champions League. <laughs> I mean, uh, like, yeah, I don't get it. I don't. It's 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 just weird. It's just weird. Um, but yeah, I, I I don't know. They broke Conte. It was a sight to behold. I don't know that I've seen a press conference quite like that of a manager lambasting his players in the way that he did. I mean, if you're Kane, what are you thinking? Is he saying all eleven guys out there are selfish? They play for themselves. <laughs> Excuse me. I was one of those eleven. Maybe he's part of the problem too. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just de- kind of depressed to see you kind of buying into that. Well, it's just weird. It's it's very weird. Just like you're right, they're fourth. You know, like they made it to the knockout stage of the Champions League. Like, is it so terrible? But I think there were expectations for them. They've got Conte. They they had the right manager. They spent big in the transfer window. Nobody came out of this transfer window thinking that they were that they had done a poor job. No uh-huh. one. I didn't hear that anywhere. No. Um, I- and the other I, thing, I, too, I, I don't want to hear from people, you know, because sometimes you get a little bit of that, you know, oh, how like like fans of teams who are lower on the table. Oh, stop complaining. Yeah, it could, it could be worse. All right. Well, tell that to a Buffalo Bills fan in 1993. Oh, you made the Super Bowl. What are you complaining about? Like, if you have a certain expectation for your team getting close and failing time and time again, it's also frustrating like that. Tottenham fans shouldn't have to apologize for feeling frustrated about what's going on here. I also think. And then this is my final point on it. If a team's not good to watch, like hard to watch, yeah, that factors into that mood. You know, even if you are kind of maintaining, which they which they through a through a fall off in Newcastle and a fall off in, in Liverpool and other challengers, um, like that's helped prop them up, okay. But when you watch when you watch a team and they're not giving you very much of anything, then that that really does feed into it too. And we all know how Spurs fans, despite some of the teams they've been served up over the past fifty years, have a high opinion of how the team should play. Sure. One day I want to talk to a sports psychologist about the lads at Spurs mentality. I just, I just want I, I just, I just want I just want you um, to talk to a psychologist. Please. Uh let's see, JJ. Um one other thing, Arsenal, they extend their lead atop the table. They are flying right now. I believe they have the longest active winning streak in Europe's top five leagues. Um, it's, it's pretty, I mean, you talk about playing a certain way They're They are playing that way. There's no question about it, but it was the team they beat that I'm, I'm more curious to talk about uh, crystal palace. They hammered them. And in the end that proved to be it for Patrick Vieira fired on over the phone on his way to training. Um, and, and I, I did. I this happened see... before this happened before I should say Vieira had already been fired. Yeah. I, um, I, I didn't see it coming. Um, if you look at their run of games lately, it's, it was all against teams who were kind of, well, not kind of in some cases, better than them. Yeah, top but, half, top half of the table teams for the most part. Yeah, so they they drew at the end of February with with Liverpool, uh, lost to Villa one nil, lost to City one nil, lost to Brighton one nil. Um, I I didn't see it coming. It does fit into the pattern of Vieira with his other job at in France. Um, where first season was pretty good and second season there was a fall off and they kind of decided to to get rid. 
Um, if you talk to Palace fans, they they were like, okay, you know, it was a tough run, but the, the worst thing was that there there was a real decline in performance. Like, the well, players... I mean, they 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 went. I think after December, uh, they kind of. There's a great article about it um, in the Athletic that basically chronicles why this happened, mm. and um, it was it's fascinating. I'll go through a couple of the reasons, but one thing they talk about is. Um, I forget who it was, but they got hammered by someone. Oh, Tottenham beat them four nil, and then uh, after that, Vieira basically made a decision: we're going to change it up and we're going to go more defensive. JJ, they went three straight games without a shot on target. Yeah, like <laughs> you go one game without a shot on target, it's bad. Three straight. Yeah, you talk, talk about playing football that a fan base is not going to tolerate. Yeah, that's dreadful. Um, what's mad, absolutely mad, was that Vieira. Most of the praise Vieira got, I'd say, last season was that he's come in and he took over Roy Hodgson's side and got them playing a different brand of football and a more attacking brand of football, and they were a better side. And now Roy Hodgson is coming in to rescue them at the end of the season. Yeah, I don't. I I guess they just felt we need a band aid. A pl- is, we just we this, just need to bring in a man. Planning. Uh, not to me, but if their goal is to simply avoid relegation, they're twelfth right now, uh, which sounds fine. Points. But like, but the league is is the league has lost its mind. Everyone yeah. is a part of the relegation race. <laughs> uh, it, it's unbelievable. They have through their through their own poor play, they have brought themselves back into the relegation battle. They've gone eleven without a win, and so they're right back in this fight now. Even though they're twelfth. Um, I mean, this guy won my Devunling just just a few at the end of last season for manager of the year. Um, that so, was the kiss. That was the kiss of death. <laughs> I guess so. Or or he's just become a victim of his own success. They expect more now after he won such a prestigious award. But JJ, the athletic. So they uh, I'm reading from him here. The, it says the athletic has contacted a wide range of palace insiders who spoke to us on the condition of anonymity to protect their oh, relationships, no. to build a picture of how Vieira's tenure unraveled. We can reveal, and then they go through a few bullet points. One, um, Palace gave serious consideration to sacking Vieira in February of 2022. So last year, in his in what turned out to be a, an amazing season, it, basically he came, they they went through a bad patch of form, That's and it right. came, it all came down to their that match in February against Watford. He needed to win, like that game was his career. He needed to win. He did. They won four one, and then from there they kicked on. They finished the season brilliantly. In the end, JJ of, of last season. For Crystal Palace, second most points, uh, second most wins, and second most goals in a season for them ever. Fewest ever defeats and fewest goals conceded in a season. First ever positive goal difference for Crystal Palace in a season. And they reached Wembley for an FA Cup semifinal. That was just last season. Just unbelievable. Beyond that, though, then, some senior players and executives, according to The Athletic, were unconvinced by the quality of his coaching staff. There were bust-ups with the coaching room. Um then a disastrous mid-season break in Turkey and a Christmas training ground fracas further unsettled the Fraca. Fraca or fracas, which otherwise I've heard both. Um, <laughs> they, they took a week-long trip uh, around the, the World Cup break to December. And then it says in the article, bad weather and the bad mood of certain players who didn't make their international team's World Cup squads cast a shadow over that trip. Oh, then this Christmas fraca, um, player A, that doesn't say who. Sure. But, Player A was fouling academy players too hard in training. And so player B took exception. A fight ensued. Both were dropped for their Boxing Day match coming out of the World Cup on December 26th. But I guess Vieira on December 25th on Christmas reinstated them and reversed the decision. And that apparently rubbed some guys the wrong way. Um, 
And then from the Vieira side of it, he was left frustrated by the club's recruitment. Remember, they had Connor, uh, Connor Gallagher. He went back off loan to Chelsea, never replaced, didn't replace him. The team got worse. This team got worse. And so it shouldn't necessarily be a surprise that the results would get worse too. Um, and so here we are. I Vieira. had no idea all that was going on behind the, the scenes and kind of would suggest to me that Vieira didn't have the hold over the squad that I thought he did. Well, it seems like a lot of players. So when you read more into it, he was loved there. Yeah. The players really like the players respected him. The, the ownership really respected him. Um, but I guess there were just too many kind of little things and, and poor play that it just was becoming more and more unsustainable. Um, but it just goes to show, we talk about this all the time. When you're at, when you're in your good old days, you got to grab onto it and appreciate it. I mean, oh. look, one year that was ar- arguably one of the great seasons in Crystal Palace's Premier League history. And now here we are just, you know, uh, half a season later and their manager who presided over all that is gone. He's out of a job and, and we're back to Roy Hodgson. It's incredible. That's, um, that's that's such a good point. And we often quote Woody Harrelson from from True Detective season one, where he goes, um, he talks about the good old days and you don't know you're in them until they're gone. I thought that was Andy Bernard from The Office. No. Well, it is. It is. I mean, True Detective season one is a triumph. Absolute triumph. (laughs) No one's saying it's not. Relax. No, but to, you know, (laughs) it's, it's so good. We, I, 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 I go back and watch it regularly. And then the Rust Cole, um, his view on life and his philosophy and the, the idea of pessimism is is brilliant. It's really, really good. Whoa, um, Andy Bernard. I wish right. there was a way to know you're in the good old days before you've actually left them. Ooh, okay. Mm-hmm. Hold on a sec. Talk away there for amongst yourselves for one second. Uh, Words and thoughts and feelings, emotions. <laughs> uh, let's see if they have it here. I'm just Googling it quickly. Uh, what are you implying that the office stole material i wonder which one of those quotes happened first i guess this was from like the very end of uh the office so i guess that came after whatever you're about to read well harrelson well this was from the secret fate of all life 2014 2014 andrew oh so um uh detective marty hart you know the good years when you're in them or you just wait for them until you get ass cancer and realize that the good that the good years came and went because there's a feeling you might notice it sometimes. This feeling like life has slipped through your fingers, like the future is behind you, like it's always been behind you. Oh. Andy Bernard's was from 2013. I keep I keep saying Andy Bernard. It's Ed Helms for those who don't know, but yeah, his character on the show. I like Marty's better. I think it's. I don't know. It's got that dark. Ble- dark. It's bleak. It's life. All right. It sure honestly, is. Honestly, if you're enjoying something right now, be it a uh, a. F- be it a March Madness, be it uh, your cat, be it a relationship you're in with a friend or, or a loved one or whatever. Don't think about the future. Don't think about enjoy that right now in the moment. It's so Just hard. It. Why is it so hard to do that? I, I'm I, so envious of people who can do that. As human beings, we we, we we catastrophize and we only see the end. I know I'm like that in, in, in almost all aspects. Even when we were doing the pod with ESPN, I always thought about the end date. It was always there, whirring away in the. Or like, what's the what's the next thing we can do? You know what's, yeah, what? We, exactly, and we don't we don't drink never appreciating the- like what what we're actually doing. No, and and it's a problem in relationships. It's a problem in life in general. And I think it does go down to the fact that worrying in the back of our brains, going through 
thousands of years of human evolution is the fact that you are going to die. Let's go ahead and take a break. I think we could use one. We'll go ahead. We'll do that. When we come back, uh, boy, Christian Pulisic had a 43-minute epic with Graham Hunter. No one gets this guy to open up like Graham Hunter. It's unbelievable. No, I mean, he was very much... Who, who's the best... Who, who got the reputation of the of the uh, the the interviewer that would kind of get the most out of people over like there's obviously someone who's the, the guy that famously interviewed Richard Nixon. Oh, um, Frost. Frost, David Frost, Frost. Yeah. Nixon. Yeah. Yeah. Graham Hunter is, is Christian Pulisic's David Frost. Yeah. I mean, he seems so much more mature and relaxed rather than the, the whiny child. We grew Oh, up come with. on. That, that is ridiculous. And so unfair. Oh I my know, but God, he, but he seemed, he did seem relaxed and comfortable oh, in a way in interviews that he hasn't. I agree. We're going to talk. We'll take a break. We'll talk all about that when we come back. Plus, it's Jump to Conclusions Week in MLS. I can't wait to go through some of the conclusions that we'll see if we'll jump to or not. Still more caught offside to come. Don't go anywhere. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems, too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and, of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Oh, back now offside what a can show I, it's been it's been, been. It, it's really been unbelievable and I, and I should say you have grand plans for this thursday uh unbeknownst to me before recording tonight jj out of nowhere as as though i had been told this just comes right right up out and says to me uh so we're going live on thursday yeah what i don't know are we apparently jj has decided we're going to do a live youtube on thursday at what time 10 o'clock p.m eastern time yeah, let's do like a mailbag special. And obviously it'll be podcast. You'll still be able to hear it on, on, on Friday morning for your commute. That'll still happen. But if you wanted to join us live, uh, caught off site after dark, I'm, I'm, I'm calling it. How about uh, 10 p.m. Eastern, uh, in or around that on our YouTube yeah. channel. If you haven't subscribed, get over there and subscribe. Um, subscribe, turn your notifications on. It'll just be me and you uh, having an old chat. Yeah, yeah. We'll get into all kinds of things. Who knows? Who knows where the night could take us? The U.S. obviously has a game on Friday. So which maybe is we'll... just, that's not, a, we'll talk a bit about it, but it's against Granada. It's not, it's not exactly amenable to doing it. No one wants us in the middle of March Madness talking about USMNT on a Friday night against Granada. Nobody wants that. So, all right. So a mailbag special. All I'm right. in. I love How about it. that. One thing before we get to Christian Pulisic. Yeah. Um, and to, please don't, don't get oh, mad at me when I when go. I say this. Uh, You're already the anger is. is <laughs> well, I mean, any any sentence that starts that way doesn't usually get followed with a compliment. No, and this is a 
general, just a question that I had today. Um, it's 20 years since the US-UK-led invasion of Iraq. So that's the first, like 20 years today, March 20th, 2003. And just when we were with ESPN, we had a fair amount of, of correspondence from veterans who listened to the podcast who were back in the United States. And we had a couple of correspondences from guys who did tours in Iraq, recent tours and tours of Afghanistan. In fact, we had, we had one guy who said he, he listened to the pod and he was, he was emailing us from his base in Afghanistan, which yeah. just was uh, amazing to me. The idea that you'd be worried about an attack from the Taliban while also listening to Andrew complain about Spurs. That is just, Hey, crazy. I already said Tottenham fans don't need to apologize for our complaints. All right. <laughs> don't make um, me regret that. But just some of the guys that I was in contact with, you know, through email or, or, or DMs or whatever. I'm just I'm just curious to see, uh, are they still listening? Uh, how are they doing? Are they all right? Like, because I had a fair few communications with them. I suppose I could just look up the emails and email them back or or talk to them or whatever. But if there's anyone out there who's uh, uh, a recent uh, a recent veteran of the United States Armed Forces or, or the UK or wherever, just curious to hear from you. Yeah. Because I was pondering a lot of you guys today on this anniversary. Boy, that was 20 years ago. Oh, my God. Yeah, I know. I, re- I remember that really vividly. Freshman, oh, so do- freshman year of college for me. So do I. Um, I wish I'd, I'd kind of been less unserious of a person at the time and really yeah. kind of got into it because a lot of things happened. And like the way the war just developed both in the UK and the United States and the, and the move towards war is now fa- kind of fascinating to me. Um, but yeah, 20 years. I, I couldn't believe it. Yeah. Um, let's see. Christian Pulisic, JJ, like we said, he had an extensive, really extensive sit down interview with Graham Hunter. I, I was pretty shocked when I saw, okay, this will probably be like, we'll see a few clips. Oh, it's 45 minutes. Oh, <laughs> um, so I'll tell you what I did. I, uh, I watched it and I took yeah. notes the same way that I did for, uh, the, the movie you made me watch recently. You, the movie you chose to watch when Saturday comes. Yeah. A classic of the genre. Yeah. I got a whole bunch of notes here. Now, I won't go through all of them. I made bold the ones that were most interesting to me from this conversation. But the first thing, JJ, that I boldened was what you said before. I boldened the words mature, confident. That stood out to me. It did seem like he he did seem like a different guy. And it makes sense because he is getting older and maturing. And and a lot of the times the it was post match straight after a game and the camera was stuck in his face a mic and he was asked questions i don't think he was ever comfortable with the moniker of of the boy wonder which um frivolous podcasts like ourselves put upon him um and things like that he didn't seem to enjoy it and he seemed kind of almost like oh okay, okay. it looked painful just let me play that was yeah. all i think that's all he he wanted at that stage was just let me play soccer i don't want any of this other stuff yeah, and I think we've just seen a in this interview, and you know what, Graham? When we've talked to Graham, Graham is a a disarming character. Would you say? Uh absolutely, yes. Yeah, like Graham will banter back and forth with you. He will compliment you. He will he will suck you in, even as us as we are interviewing him. He's he is very easy to talk to, and you should listen to his big interviews. Um, his big interview podcast on on uh, wherever you get your podcast because he's good at that. So I think that was a definite a definite help um, to Christian Pulisic. Um, but the, the main points that came out of it, really, Andrew, were were uh, Greg Berhalter and Gio Reyna related. I guess. There is no 
it's impossible to watch this, literally impossible to watch this and not come away with the idea that Christian Pulisic is really, really fond of Greg Berhalter and wants him to continue as manager. There's no mincing words here. Um, I mean, I, I'm watching this and I, as I'm watching the interview on YouTube, I'm just thinking like the, the Berhalter haters, what are they thinking as they're watching this? Are, like, I felt like that that sound you're hearing are just like heads exploding around the country of of certain people who can't wrap yeah. their minds around the fact that the star player of this team wants this guy to continue as coach. They, you know, it's like the he, the... he, he also said, you know, within that you shouldn't think too hard about, you know, oh, we need this guy, we need this staff, we need to change this thing. He believes in the in the core of the group. Yes, he he, he believes in in the players, and he believes that the players themselves are good enough to take this team forward. And we have seen that. So there's a self-confidence that comes out of, uh, out of that, that you don't need to be validated by having oh new coaching staff, new direction, change the way we train, change the way we eat, change the way we travel. It doesn't have to be like that, which I, that was the best thing I think from it. Like a, a guy like him who has played at the top level and knows what the really good teams do, that he was happy with the way things are developing. Now I know for a fact, if you, if, he would probably he would probably love if the team was more potent at the top end of the field that's i mean that's for sure but he he does seem to see the progress and um and the fact that he wants bearhalter back i wonder how much weight that's going to that's going to have with ussf we'll find out i still don't believe that bearhalter will be the manager we I talked all so about either. that uh, last week um but uh, if any opinion in that room matters from from a player perspective, I would think his certainly carries as much or more weight than any of them. Uh, he talked about how Bearhalter's grown a lot on him over the years. Um, well, he'd want to because when he was substituted in that Nations League game at the was it tw- at the end of twenty twenty October twenty twenty. Remember that? <laughs> yeah, he well he came right out and, and said there was a time when he was benched uh, yeah. where he hated. Greg and he hated that decision. Well, that was it. Like he took him off in the game. They were two 0 down. He throws his arms up, and and Bearhalter tries to do the the huggy thing, and then go over and see if he's okay. And he he like P- Pulisic's reaction is almost like, "Man, get away from me! Yeah. Don't be near me!" Because a the cameras are going to be immediately be on our interaction now, and I just can't deal with this. I thought Bearhalter was sunk after that game. I really did. Well, um, I mean, Pulisic said he, but he handled it right in, in talking about Greg. He said Greg created has created the best team atmosphere of any coach he's ever been around. Um, and Pulisic, he told a story in this of his first game under Bearhalter, where he had been dealing with some injuries on the club level, came to the international team. In his own memory, he said the U.S. were playing Chile, and he scored a great goal in the game, but then he had to come off a little bit early with a, a little bit of a knock, went to the hospital for scans. It was nothing. He came back. And he went to see Greg afterwards and Bearhalter in one of their first interactions after a game of player coach told him, maybe you need to train harder. You know, with all these injuries that you're picking up, maybe you need to train harder. And Pulisic said he was furious with him for that. And it took him a while to get over that. But he said yeah. eventually he did. And he thought more about it, more about it. And he said he, Greg was right. He said he was absolutely right. And, you know, he's a manager who's not afraid to necessarily deliver the kind of news to players that they may not always want to hear, which I think is a very important quality in a coach. Um, now, I still, I still, and I need to reiterate this because it didn't seem to come over strongly enough for some people the last few podcasts. I still think it was a fundamental break of the ethics he said he set up in the dressing room with this team to go out and talk about Gio Reyna and the way he did to that we, leadership for. We said that clearly. How many I know, times I, do we have to say it? I don't. 
It seems as if it's not getting through. And even just what you're saying right now is going to get is going to get the bear halter. I I hear the marching boots of the anti-bear halter crew on their way towards this podcast. We're telling you what the what Christian Pulisic said. What, uh, you, you doesn't want to lie? matter. Doesn't matter. You're validating is, him in some way. This is what he said. We are we are giving you for who if you did not watch the interview, this is what the best player on the U.S. men's national team said about the manager whose job is in flux. This is news. I'm not going to lie about what was said. I'm just stealing you for the oncoming avalanche of abuse. <laughs> I can take it, whatever. It's fine. Mm, well, you can't. Um, it's, it's me that will be front and center while you don't go online. Uh, Pulisic said that everything that's happened with Greg has been handled in a childish manner. People complaining about playing time. It's childish. That mm. can only be taken one way. Uh, and I wonder, I mean, I said to you, um, you took that as a shot at Gio Reyna's parents. Yeah. I took it as a shot at both Reyna and the parents. I don't know how you can really separate one from the other. I just don't think you can. My no. my read of the situation is that Christian Pulisic is Team Greg. He ain't Team Gio. Maybe what? they get on okay. Maybe they're cordial with one another. But I don't think in the offseason these are two guys that are going on vacations together. That's the sense that I get. And you know what? His his demeanor was almost kind of like embarrassedly exasperated about it. You know, well, he, he said he said, I don't want to go. He said that and then he stopped himself and he said, I don't want to go too much deeper on it. And Graham didn't push on it. It led me to think in watching it because I know Graham probably had a billion more questions. My guess is they said before this interview, we're not talking about the Gio Reyna thing. Graham or ESPN FC or whoever came back and said, well, we we simply have to. That's yeah. ridiculous. What's the, what's the point of this? Then they said, okay, one question, but no follow up, something to that extent. There was probably some kind of conversation about it. Um, and yeah, Pulisic, and I, and I, Pulisic and kind once, of brought it up unprompted, though. Grant didn't really go out of his way to ask the question. No, he was just but asking then, questions about Greg. But but uh, Pulisic's self correction mode uh, clicked in, and so he was he was clearly only. I mean, he said enough, and his face, like. His kind of his, like I said, his demeanor about it was like this is so youth soccer. This is yeah. so pathetic. childish. He used the word childish. Yeah. So, um, what you said, what you mentioned earlier, I thought was really telling. Christian saying we don't need a rebuild. There's a strong core here. We want to build off this, off the World Cup. Um, he said that the strides we've taken with Greg have been quite clear. I mean, he believes that there is an upward trajectory with this team, and it would be weird to interrupt that. And from his perspective, if he feels that way, I can understand then why he would want to continue with this manager. I think he mentioned something in this interview to me that I think was telling. He went back to his club after the World Cup. He went back to Chelsea, surrounded by all these guys who played against him with England and who watched the World Cup and whatever. And he says in this interview that those players all said, wow, like we had no idea, I think was the exact quote that Christian used in terms of how the Chelsea players responded to him when he got back. Like they, they did not think the U S was anything to be They weren't to be taken seriously and they were taught. I mean, look, it wasn't like the U S won that game, but from the balance of play, from the way the U S played though, Christian said it, those guys were shocked. They were, they were surprised with how the U S played and how good they actually were. JJ, I don't care what anyone says like that. That will always exist. I, I know I've heard so many times from people say, no, no, no. If you're good, like it doesn't matter where you're from. Bull S. It's not true. There is always going to be this idea that Americans just aren't as good at this at, at this sport. Those English players in that Chelsea room, they all took 
you know, the U.S. for granted that it was going to be a, a walk in the park. That's just the sentiment. And I think Christian Pulisic was was happy to show them that they were wrong. And I think it was I think the fact that they told him that afterwards, I think, meant a lot to him. And I think that probably feeds into the way he feels about the job that this team is doing under this manager. So I can see, I can see from his perspective why he'd like to keep going with this. I don't think it's going to happen. I can't imagine a new sporting director coming in here and wanting to continue this feed into this controversy. No. Bearhalter is going to have to manage Reyna. It's just I can't see a world where that happens again. But no. but Pulisic doesn't care about that because he's a he's a Greg guy and not a Reyna guy. So that's you know if he was he he probably doesn't think that 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 matters whoever can help us win is who we should go with but i don't think i think there's more to it than that um but it was a great interview really interesting stuff i enjoyed it uh, so well done espnfc graham hunter christian Polisic, all of them i enjoyed it uh all right you ready for this yeah let's jump to some conclusions quickly before we leave it was a jump to conclusions matt <laughs> You see, it would be this mat that you would put on the floor and would have different conclusions written on it that you could jump to. Well, you really know how to uh, how to build it up and get, get everyone excited, don't you? All right, so for those who are new, uh, we do this at the uh, usually either after week three or four of the Premier League season and the um, MLS season where we come up with a series of conclusions and we decide whether or not we would actually jump to that conclusion that it's something we believe in truly, or if it's a conclusion that we're just not quite ready to jump to. I have four here. I don't know if you've added any of your own, but I'll, I'll go through. I what... haven't. No. Okay. All right. Um, <laughs> here's the first one, JJ, the first conclusion you tell me, are you jumping or not? Uh, St. Louis city is not a fluke and is just yet another in a relatively recent trend of expansion teams succeeding immediately. Will you jump? Oh, I'll jump to that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is not a fluke. This was planned. There was a plan. Uh, part of the plan for, for, for St. Louis was not to be um, what we see a lot of MLS teams being, which is, you know, based around a DP or being superstar based. This was more of a team ethic. Uh, Lutz Fannenstiel, who is the <clears throat> director of football, he said this uh, after their pretty amazing start to the season, a start that has not been historic, historic has not been done by any expansion team. But he said this, we haven't really proved anybody wrong yet because we can still finish 13th or 14th if we get into a dip. So we haven't really achieved anything yet. That's the truth of the matter. We are happy to be ahead and had a good start and we want to keep on doing what we're doing. But like Bradley Carnell as manager is key. Like, he was an assistant to Jesse Marsh and, the, the article in The Athletic kind of talks about the fingerprints of the Red Bull press to cause chaos, like being all over this team. Um, and and City's ability to create a, a turnover in the opposition final third has been huge for them. And and we know that this is a, a big Jesse Marshian principle. Um, now, keeping that going across the season will be the trick. And I'm not, I'm not going to say that they, they won't struggle to do that. But they're absolutely legit. What they've done has been from their, their front office, however way you want to phrase it, has been planned. It's it's not a fluke that they do the things that they do. So it's not a fluke where they are. Yeah, and you mentioned what you said is right in terms of like they had a plan. 
they hired this manager more than a year before they started playing games. Mm-hmm. Like there was time to like look at what he wanted to do and build a team around that. Um, I'm reading here from Tom Bogert. He wrote about them saying um, that they made their big signings very early as well. He writes, Selmir Piedro was the club's first MLS signing on February 1st, 2022, more than a full calendar year before their MLS debut. Thomas Ostrak, uh, Klaus, and Berkey were signed in March. They had eight signings officially announced by August, seven of whom came from abroad. All of those players came to town early, a particularly surprising development for the likes of Berkey, Klaus, Lowen, and Nilsson. By the summer, they were in the Midwest. Like this team, JJ, like, they weren't playing games yet. <laughs> like they were already together and training and, and preparing. And, you know, it's um, plan is the right word. I don't think that this is happening necessarily by accident. Maybe they didn't think it would be this good this quickly. Uh, but Zhao Klaus has three goals. Edward Lowen has three assists. Um, and the scary thing too, they were, um, they were without their top three choices at center back over the weekend and still picked up a clean sheet. And uh, as we've seen with other more established teams, center back and defending is a bit of a problem. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I'm jumping with you. I'm jumping with you. Uh, this has been an amazing story to start. And I think that, yeah, I think we're looking at um, we're looking at a great story for the 2023 season. All right. Next conclusion here. 2023 is going to be a lost year for the L.A. Galaxy. Um. I'm going to jump. Wow. And I'm going to jump. Like, obviously, that we're talking about the historic start for, for City. Here's the historic start for the Galaxy, or kind of historic. They're winless three games into the season for the first time since 2009. And if you remember, the state of the club in 2009 was in this kind of weird flux with the board, with the director of football, with the manager. There was a lot of things going on. And there's a lot of things going on off the field as well. Um, This is Kevin Baxter in the LA Times. Uh, Before the game, so that was the game against uh, Vancouver at the weekend, a group of 300 fans gathered outside the stadium's main gate to protest the rehiring of Chris Klein, the team's president. Klein has been the Galaxy's chief executive since 2013 and signed a multi-year extension this winter, despite the fact the team has had a losing record since 2016 and has gone eight seasons since its last appearance in an MLS Cup final. That's the longest drought in franchise history. Uh, Members of the team's four main supporters groups have pledged not to attend the game until changes are made in the front office. And Saturday's announced crowd of 23,112 was the smallest for a Galaxy home opener not impacted by COVID-19 since 2013. However, many season ticket holders who boycotted the game were included in the intended anyway, <laughs> since the MLS uses tickets distributed rather than a turnstile count in its crowd figures. Hmm. Um, and Klein is, is currently suscended too. Um, yeah, he's well, currently suspended for violating salary rules back in 2019. The Galaxy were essentially operating with an additional DP in Carlos Pavone because of payments that weren't reported to the league. Right. You obviously can't do. He's suspended. Okay. Um, so this is just this is a whole mess. Yeah. And, you know, that kind of stuff can creep from from outside the ground, from the front office, from the stands onto the field. Um, I think too, a, lo- a lot of this is, is exacer- exacerbated by the extreme success of LAFC. Oh, absolutely. Like, like the, the, the noisy neighbor has come in and, and taken away so much hype and so much bandwidth and so much column inches and probably so many players too. And now, fans. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I think it, I think 
I think this could be a problematic season for for LA Galaxy. Just it, it might be. I don't know if I'm willing to jump though to the idea that it's going to be a loss. I mean, they season. weren't that bad against Vancouver either. No, they nearly won for yeah. a, if not for a really tight handball decision to build up to a, a what would have been the winning goal. Chicharito hasn't he hasn't played yet. He's still due to come back. Douglas Costa still due to come back. I don't know. I I, I just can't help but feel like. Those players combined with Ricky Puig, Tyler Boyd, Marky Delgado, Efren Alvarez, Greg Vanny's the manager. Like, I, I can't help but think there's something there. I mean, it might not be to the extent of what the fan base wants. I'm not saying that it'll be enough to to quell the protests, but lost season. I just I don't know if I'm if I can quite get to that point. I, um, yeah, lost maybe strong. They just might not be very good. Okay, and like I said, in comparison with what's happening with a club in their own city. It's probably it's tough for those fans to stomach. It's an ugly sure. situation. I saw interviews with fans who are protesting, and they're just like it didn't even almost seem like there was one single thing. They're just mad. Like they're just yeah. very mad about the trajectory of the club. Um, and I get that. I I, I understand that. Um, all right, next one. Ready? Yeah. All right. The conclusion. Congratulations, Tiago Almeida. You are this year's Landon Donovan League MVP winner. I won't jump to that. Oh. Okay. Uh, now, what a game he had for Atlanta. Oh, my God. Ridiculous. I mean, such a game. Just on the free kick. That was worth the price of entry alone. And I would say that had he carried the ball in his hands and placed it where the ball actually went, he couldn't have placed it any better. It was so good. Stunning, stunning uh, free kick. But, and there is a huge but for anybody who watched this game, Portland were so open, so stretched, so high at times, so not compact that they absolutely let uh, Almeida and Atlanta have a day. Now, maybe this is how it's going to be every game at the Benz, but I kind of feel like there's going to be better organized sides who will stifle Almeida and Atlanta. Plus, he's kind of doing it against everyone. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. He's got, I mean, it's just so he's, early. He's leading, I, I, he's leading the league right now in goals, assists. He has 13 key passes yeah, already this season. He's leading the league in that category. I mean, it's it's a lot. It's a lot. I, I'm just saying there's other MVP, uh, MVP candidates um, who, who you'd expect to start to really, really fire. I, I'm saying it's kind of too early for me to say, well, it's Almeida and it's not going to be Bernadeschi or another example. You are a coward. And I am, I am, co- and I am jumping. Coward. I am jumping. I believe he's going to do it. Uh, now, here's my worry. It, it doesn't have anything to do with the things you were saying. My worry is that he's going to leave. <laughs> he's like, he's going to go to Europe. I'm 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 almost surprised he's still there. I mean, after being newcomer of the season, like there was already such hype around him. God, he was on the Argentina's World Cup winning team. Um, so that's that's my concern. Now, what could happen? Maybe he could be bought by somebody over the summer, but then transferred back for the remainder of the season. Um, I don't know. But that, to me, would be the thing that would prevent him from potentially winning this award. But in terms of stuff on the field, I mean, oh, my God, he's he's been unbelievable. He's been everything that that you that Atlanta fans had hoped he was going to be. I mean, he was brought in here with enormous expectations and he's he's fulfilled them. And then some Uh, Gonzalo Pineda raving about him, his commitment since coming back from the World Cup. No signs of complacency, been on time to everything, was back the very first day, stays late. uh, Pineda was saying for treatment. Um, JJ, another Atlanta player, Miguel Almiron, he's the current MLS record for outgoing transfer uh, at 27 million. I mean, I think Almeida clears that when this is all he's so young. 
and he's so talented. I think I think he will break that record for whenever his move does happen. Um, but Atlanta fans hoping that's not in the immediacy. We'll see. Um, but yeah, I'm going to jump. I'm going to say he's he's going to do it. Okay. All right. Uh, let's see. I only have one more. You ready? Oh, can I can I just make one quick point? Sure. Opening goal technically from Atlanta v v uh, the Timbers was. Eric Williamson's unbelievable goal. It, it was amazing. And it was ruled out uh, by Ted Uncle. Um, which, uh, it's such a good goal. I, I think he had it right. There was a player in an offside position and a player impeding the the, the line of sight for Brad Guzan. But uh, it, was, it was gorgeous. Flicks it up, half volley, back of the net. Yeah. I don't know. I, 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 just on pure aesthetics alone, I would, I would have ignored the VAR. And uh, I doesn't, doesn't work that way. I'm no, sorry. But not, you know, I'm an aesthetics guy. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay, one more for you. Um, I don't have too much on this one, but I'm curious what you say. Yeah. Last conclusion: Austin FC will not recover from their Concacaf Champions League embarrassment. I'm, I'm not going to jump to this conclusion, Andrew. Okay. Look, it's a very bad week when you get knocked out of the cha- uh, CONCACAF Champions League by Violet of ha- Haiti, and then you lose to your less illustrious, let's be honest right now, Texan rivals, uh, the Dynamo 2-0. But it's it's so early. There's so much time to get it right for Austin. It's not like they did not create chances uh, themselves against the Dynamo, and the goals that conceded were a penalty and a second laid on from Hector Herrera, who, by the way, played very, very well. Yeah, was the, in midfield he was the difference, um, but it was also a goal that was dreadfully defended. Like Austin had so many players back, how in God's earth did Herrera just nip in there to stab that one home? I do not know. Um, you just feel like this won't continue forever, and they will continue or they will turn a corner. Now, I will say this: in terms of defending, they've got to be so much better, so much better than they have been both in 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 CCL play and in MLS play. But it's they have too much talent up front. I'm not going to say it's uh, guaranteed that they'll turn it around, but I, I I do feel they will. I agree with you, and I don't really have too much to add on it. There's too much talent on that team. Like I think that at some point, yeah, they're in a shaky moment now. They didn't need a demoralizing loss like this in such close proximity to to what happened in the CONCACAF Champions League. That doesn't help. But there's a lot of time left in this season, and there's a lot of guys there who have been through some of the battles of last year. I still, I think they'll be okay. I think they'll. This will always be a stain on this season, but I think they'll get past it. I do, and I think they'll still be a, a potential a potential force in the Western Conference. I'm not worried. Okay, it's fair so, enough. I think. Yeah. Uh, so there you go. There you go. A little bit of that for you on uh, this Jump to Conclusions week podcast for uh, for MLS. Um, JJ, I don't have too much else. I don't have too no. much else. We'll remind you again. Start sending your uh, tweets and mail to at um, COSoccerPod on Twitter, CaughtOffSidePod at gmail.com, and we'll do a little live YouTube show on uh, on Thursday night, 10 o'clock Eastern time, and we will pod it as well, so you'll be able to find it in in both places. But if you want to join live, if you want to submit questions live, um, the YouTube link is uh, – we'll tweet it out. It's where it's at for uh, for this Thursday. Should be and fun. will we uh, – you know – we have a few beers. We do it that way. Get if little, you want, I won't stop you. Get a little rowdy. If you want. Get, get cr- you know, what is what does the kids say? Get crunk? Yeah, I guess they say that. I don't, I don't know. They say, I don't know if anyone's ever actually said that. Probably not. Nobody in real life. 
Um, JJ, we got to end this podcast because I had to use my wife's computer tonight. Her <laughs> battery life, I'm finding out, is a disaster. We're down to 4%, and I'm terrified of what's about to happen here. Oh. So we kind of have no choice. I have so much left to, to discuss, but I don't want to lose all this. So uh, I want to get to sleep as well. I would like to go to bed. <laughs> all right. Well, hey, this was fun. I enjoyed this thoroughly. It was therapeutic once again. Yeah. We, I mean, we did get dark, but I think I don't think anything we said was 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 wrong i think i I said i said some things that i will probably regret in the morning about tottenham and their spursiness and lads at spurs and the history of the tottenham i think that i i will regret that and i think some tottenham fans will hear that and and wonder if i'm actually a tottenham fan (laughs) i'm a little afraid i'm afraid quite frankly i'm scared that's okay honesty is a policy on this podcast but i've seen tottenham fans fighting about every like no one can agree on anything right now so i say you're all right whatever it is you're mad about whatever it is you think of the state of this club right now you're right they're a mess in all kinds of different areas. So who am I to say, like, which one is right or wrong? No one knows. They're a mess. Anyway, um, this was fun, JJ. We'll be back at it again Thursday night in the live pod. Uh, hey, I got nothing left. To you, I say. Check you later, phone boy. I'll see you. Take care. You've been listening to the Caught Offside Soccer Podcast. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.